What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Pain to Profits. I'm your host, Samson Jagoris. And on each show, we try to unpack the wisdom of entrepreneurs to help you guys save time and level up. And today I have my friend Luke Coates, who actually owns three businesses, Method Flow, Clean Connect AI, and Prove Zero. And we're going to dive into all of that and share his journey into entrepreneurship. So Luke, man, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Samson. Yep. I appreciate it. So good man. F- first question, have you been on a podcast before? I have. Yeah. 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 I've been interviewed a number of times. I know you're super. So pretty much everything you do is in and around the energy space. Um, and we're talking energy, we're talking like oil and gas. And, um, and you also are pretty active in the community as it relates to, I don't want to call it lobbying cause that's a terrible, terrible term, but just communicating and articulating and advocating for the industry because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I would consider myself an environmentalist. Yep. Like I love, I live in Colorado. I love it here. I love to hike. I'm in the mountains, Rocky Mountain National Park. I'm 45 minute drive. So I love it. I love this community. Um, and it's interesting because Colorado was founded on, even the Western Slope was founded on natural gas. Yep. The gas, the railroad, you know, that industry brought so much growth and so much opportunity into Colorado. And people are at a phase now where we forget why Colorado is the way it is. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to bridge the gap between what what energy is, what the environment is, and how we can make it better and, and educate the public in general. Yeah, and I think one thing that I have always appreciated about our conversations in and around the energy space is I would call you a pragmatic idealist. Like you you understand that there's a better way to do things, but you're also a realist in the sense that here's the reality of where we're at. Like we can't just rip and replace oil and gas. And I, I think you told me a story that was super interesting. You did a study on wind power in Boulder County. And basically if you wanted to power Boulder County, you would have to fill the entire County with wind windmills and it still wouldn't provide enough energy to fuel entire Boulder County. So there's this, there's a lot of just misconceptions and misinformation around that. But you're really good and poised at like navigating through that. But can we can we riff on that for a little bit? I th- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, for the last three years, I've spent time at the state capitol. Um, I've been in situations that have been extremely uncomfortable. I've given testimony where I've had literally I've had um, grave tombstones behind me, people holding signs, up. <laughs> people Bury holding him. signs, and been very opposed to what I'm trying to pre- present the the problem is with that is, is I want the same thing. Yeah. I want a clean, I want a healthy, I want a safe community. I want a safe environment. Um, and, but I also understand that we need energy to live. We need energy to thrive. We need energy to survive. I'm not an anti renewable. I believe all energy is good. If it's, but we have to understand where it comes from, how right. electricity is generated, all all the things that go into it. And I'd be happy to dive into some of that. But uh, there's just like a a funny phenomenon. Like the less that people know, the more emphatic they become. And I think there's just a ton of misconceptions. So with that, you've actually decided to put your money where your mouth is and actually do something about it so that we can have real data that supports the fact that the energy space is actually very clean and cleaner than it gets credit for because you only hear about the mishaps, right? Um, 
and we'll get into that. But I think I think we'll just kind of leave that cliffhanger out there. Let's go all sure. the way back. Were you always an entrepreneur? No. What were you doing before you were an entrepreneur? Um, so I grew up in a small community in southern Idaho. Okay. So I'm from Idaho originally. I've been in Colorado for about 10 years. And my grandfather was an entrepreneur. He was the wheeler dealer, like made it happen. Anything it took. He he. I work with him as a young, I'm 41 now, but as a young teenage boy, I worked with my grandpa. Yeah. So he... He bought a small business of, uh, it was making concrete tile. Okay. And he built it into a ready mix. He bought a ready mix plant. Wow. Bought his first mixer, bought a sand and gravel pit, and bought loaders, and he made it happen. Yeah. He made it happen by talking to farmers, talking to builders, and providing a service that they needed to grow their businesses. And so he made it happen. My dad came along after and he created systems and he actually made the company profitable. So he, (laughs) your dad was what we would call the integrator and your grandfather was the entrepreneur. Yeah. My grandfather was the entrepreneur. Anything it took, he made it happen. Got his hands dirty. I loved working with him because he could outwork anyone. Um, And my father was just a very, just systems driven and really made the company what it was until they sold it. Wow. So I worked for my grandfather. I worked for my father. Um, and then they, and I, I, I ended up selling for them and we, we had some really great years and I had the mindset that I was going to kind of transition into that third generation business owner. Right. I wasn't the entrepreneur, but they decided, my dad decided it was time to sell. Yeah. And it was the it was the right decision for him, and so I ended up working for a larger corporation, and um, and I took it very personal. Like my name was still on the business, and even though it wasn't my business, I treated it like my business, and I did everything I could to transition well and be good to the guys that purchased that, that purchased it. So it was, like I, an, it was like an acquisition. It was an acquisition and rolled up into a bigger. Company. Yes, bigger so. company. Yep. So, so I, I, uh, piece of advice I would give to anyone listening, whether they want to be an entrepreneur or whether they, they work for some someone, treat it like it's your own business. Yep. The people that I've worked with, one story that I have from um, the Ready Mix com- company in Southern Idaho, is a guy who worked for my grandfather, then my father for forty years, his whole career, and he did really well. He, he got paid well based on profitability. He was incentivized, right? And people till the the day the business was sold, thought he was the owner of the company. Wow. So his name is Gene Hansen. He's an, he's a mentor of mine and he worked, he worked for me and he's a mentor of mine. He was, he's my senior. He's, he's long retired, but, um, he treated it like it was his own business. Those are the kind of people you want to attract. And those are the that that's who you want to be as somebody that works for someone. Yes, you want to treat it like it's your own business. So you create these relationships. So that's what I did when the business was sold. Then I was asked to come out to Colorado um, by the same guy that I worked for that came and became a CEO of a oil and gas uh, services company. Yep. And he's like, Luke, you got to come out here and help me with this. And and I was like, it wasn't my business anymore in Idaho. And I said, this sounds like a great opportunity. So I came over here in an industry that I knew nothing about. 
Nothing. The closest thing was uh, heavy trucks, big trucks, right? Yeah, yeah, I knew project management. I knew I, I, you know, the the you know speak, you know, dealing with difficult customers because it's a difficult business. Oh yeah. So I I got pushed right into it. I got put on a big pipeline project, and I knew I there's some there's some stories there that uh, <laughs> I'm just like I don't I didn't think I was going to make it the first month. It was very very difficult. Yeah, but that's the breeding ground, right? Like that's yeah. where you actually learn the chops to go build your own business and, yeah. and do all that. One one of the things, can we go back a little bit? Yeah. I'm interested in this guy that worked for your grandfather and your father yeah. uh, for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, what did his incentive program look like? Because I, I have this belief that it's our responsibility as entrepreneurs to make sure we're giving our employees no reason to look elsewhere, right? Yeah. Um, and some people... Don't think that way. Like I, yeah. I know CEOs are like, no, it's their responsibility. They work for me. They should give me all their attention. And I'm like, dude, if you want to go side hustle and do all that, that's great. But I need to look internally and wonder what is it that I'm doing that's not creating enough opportunity for you to yeah. feel like you should put your attention here. Yeah. A healthy, a healthy company is a company, uh, is good for the employee. Right. Is good for the people that work for it. So an employee's incentive should be based around the health right. and the profitability of the company. Um, if you have employees that are like, man, the company's making hand over fist and they're mad about that, it's not a good employee. Right. You want an employee that wants the company to be profitable. Correct. So we always incentivized, on, and I do incentivize now based on profitability. Um, are you helping us become profitable? Right. Are you helping, um, you know, what are our margins? What is our net profit? So we incentivized on net profit. So, so if we, if the company did really well, um, that forty-year employee did really well. Yeah, and so he he took it personal. Yep. And so, <laughs> so, so sometimes people incentivize just based on volume. Yep. Um, and in certain businesses that might work when it's just a uh, everything's set, but with you know service and and all those things where it's a more complicated sell. Yeah. Service product, all you know, you know, mileage driving out, doing all this stuff can be more complicated. So you have to have somebody that's really understands the business yep. and understands what it takes to be profitable. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's special. Yeah. So you come out here, come to Colorado, get thrown into the deep end of the pool. You guys were building pipelines. Is that what you were doing? What was the specific? Yeah. Yeah. Yes? So uh, yeah, I, I would say some of our biggest accomplishments is, you know, working with, uh, you know, replacing pipeline, uh, old existing pipeline for Excel energy. Okay. Um, and, and that was probably our biggest portion of the business. Um, but we built facilities and pipeline and, and services in the oil and gas space. Yeah. So at what point did you decide, okay, it's time for me to branch off and do my own thing? So I treated it cause I, I still talk to the guys that I work with at that time, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, we're still really good friends. We've all gone on to do our, our, our own things now. Right. And it's pretty it's pretty awesome when you can have those relationships that you build when you're building a team, even if it's not your company, right? right. So we built these relationships, and my story is unique um, in the fact that I always wanted to own my own business, and I would say I'm kind of a mix between my grandfather and my father. Um, and then I had a tragedy in my own life. I got divorced, and it was a tragedy for me. I, know, I it was hard on you. It was really hard on me. Um, it's been five years ago now and, you know, I was devastated. It was, it was like, I, I, it was like I lost a part of 
me. Yeah. Like what I was working for, why I worked so hard, all those things. The family was so centered to me and my life. And I've got four, I've got four kids. Who are like awesome. Four beautiful kids, uh, three boys, um, stud wrestlers and a beautiful daughter. I'm just really lucky. I feel, I feel really sad for your daughter's boyfriends in the future. (laughs) (laughs) So, so during that time I was very comfortable working for someone else. And then that happened to me. And I had a friend from the industry, um, call me and asked me to come help him start something. And it took me all of about five minutes to say, I'm in. Yeah. I needed that. Yep. I needed to say, I got to do something hard because right now I need that in my life. And so I rolled up my sleeves. I partnered with a guy that was just incredible. Um, and we started with one employee um, about five years ago. And now we have about a hundred employees at Method Flow products and we do natural gas measurement automation we have a fabrication business we have a distribution business and now we're open in in texas in west virginia pennsylvania wyoming north dakota uh, most of our a lot of our guys are here in colorado and we have a incredible reputation and have incredible people um and uh it's been a real blessing in my life um one, I took a, a something that was tragic for me because my life was built around that family unit yep. to having that kind of taken away. And so the business, the entrepreneur in me that was deep down inside, <laughs> my grandfather came out in me. Yeah. And my risk tolerance went through through, through the roof. roof. Yep. I, I could I felt like I could do anything because I felt like I lost. Yeah. I, I suffered a big loss. I was very uh blessed with other opportunities before that. And I felt like I was, uh, faced a loss that I'd never faced before. So starting a business and taking on risk and putting my name on things and buying stuff that I didn't have the money for, all of a sudden it didn't become that big of a deal. Yeah. You're like uh, the, everything else in comparison to what I just went through is non-issue. Right. Right. So, so that, that, that's my story. And, uh, so how old were you? Were you 36, 35, 36? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 36. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A, and a hundred employees, five years. Yeah. Can we, how much revenue do you guys do? Uh, we're, we're at about 25 million now. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question and you can tell me to shut up. You don't have to answer this. Looking back, annual revenue. Yeah, it's just annual revenue. So we've we built it up from from uh, ground up. Yep. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that our audience specifically um, really empathizes with your story, right? <clears throat> and I, in all the conversations we've ever had about that, you have never spoke ill about your ex wife ever. In fact, I would go as far to say that you probably still love her. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but he is single ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and I do love her. I know. I really do. I, I but really just re- do. Reflecting on that um, is you've had some time to unpack that a little bit. I'd, is there some wisdom that we can take away as men about maybe uh, some things you so, would have done differently? So I'm, we had a really good marriage, a successful marriage. We got along well and, and, um, yeah, I, I think the most important thing when when that happened to me was that I needed to say I can be bitter, I can be mean, 
I could, all those thoughts came through my head and I, I experienced all those feelings. I'm sure. But I, I have four children. I have, I have kids that depend on me and that I've committed to. And the worst thing I could do is to be bitter or, or create any kind of uncertainty in their lives. And so the relationship with her was very important. And so, you know, time heals and uh, I'm thankful for where we're at and um, I'm thankful for where my kids are. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the wisdom I would share is is don't let your pride get in the way of, of progress um, because, yeah, it's it, it only hurts yourself if you're, if you're holding animosity towards somebody else. You got to move forward. You got to move on. Yeah. They, what do they say about uh, unforgiveness? It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person yeah. to get sick. <laughs> yeah. And you can, you can still love someone. They right. might not love you back, but you can still love them because they're, they're, they were a big part of your life. Yep. And she was. She was a big part of my life. And, and that's what and, we're called to do, right? Yeah. I love that. So I wouldn't have my babies without them. I, I love them. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I know anyway. you love your family so much. It's <laughs> awesome. It's fun. So Method Flow, it's been running for five, five years now. And then somewhere in the middle of that, this idea for Clean Connect pops up, you see an opportunity. I think you started that with the same business partner originally. So uh, the story of Clean Connect and and my partner runs Method Flow now. Yep. And the story with Clean Connect is I hired a guy that got laid off um, okay. during, um, you know, oil and gas companies, you know, the, sometimes in the news, it's like they're making too much money. Yeah. There's been a lot of years where, there's been bankruptcies and shoot, it was it, negative 40 crude yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. Negative 40. And we started clean connect um, when it was negative 40, by the yeah, way. Cause a lot of people so left the, the industry. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the worst month in the history of oil and gas is You're when like, we, we started open our, a business when we started our business. <laughs> That's beautiful. Though. And so the quick story of clean connect AI was um, um, my co-founder, David Connolly. Um, I hired him because he was looking for work. He was an engineer that got laid off. Yeah. And it was like when I interviewed him, it was like instantaneous. This is the kind of guy I want to be around. Yeah. He's, he makes you better. He has this entrepreneur mindset, but he was looking for a job. He wanted to, to do the engineering, the drafting and things, and he wanted to come to work. And he liked me. I liked him. So he came to work for our fabrication business. Got it. Um, about one week into it. <laughs> <laughs> literally one week he starts talking about IOT. How can we automate our equipment? You yeah. Know, Internet how, of things for yeah. everybody listening. And I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. Yeah, I you're like, I, I, IOT. I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We good idea. <laughs> so we started about, you know, and we, we, you know, we talked about it for two weeks straight. And I, the one thing I would, can, um, you know, recommend to listeners is when somebody brings you an idea, listen to it. Yeah. Like it's fun. It's fun to think about ways you can make your product better or or fill a need in the market. And you want those people on your team because, yeah. man, if you're the person that has to come up with all the ideas, it's generally exhausting because your ideas are just constantly cropping up. But it doesn't mean they're worth a damn, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so we, I listened to him, and um, he's yeah. I said he's like, we can automate this. We can do this, and. And, and I what, said, what kind of things do you guys automate? 
you know, just the way that we process and we measure natural gas or we, we were fabricating a measurement skids that basically you, you produce and you, you process and separate your gas and your oil. Okay. And it goes through, we build the skids that actually measure it. It's like the cash register basically measures how much gas is going through so it. So it flows through how, this. how much is being produced. Got it, okay. So we produce these skids and these and and the instrumentation to measure it. Okay. And we're one thing I've learned is is, is focus on what you're good at and repeat it. Right. And and cuz a lot of people like want to do everything and if if you go to especially in a fabrication type business and they say they do everything um, <laughs> then you do nothing well. Yeah, so we we focus on things that we're really good at, and we're good at measurement. We're good at, um, you know, those types of things in that space. Um, So anyway, I basically said when he, you know, after a couple weeks of this, him doing his job and us spending, you know, a half an hour a day just chit-chatting about ideas, which I enjoy. Yep, I've done it with you. I've done it with lots of people. Yeah, we do it all the time. Lots of people. I said, well, if we could automate emissions, mm. if we could figure out how to automate emissions, because I had spoken at the Capitol, I'd given testimony for a Senate bill that passed in Colorado. It was called SB Senate Bill 181, which which was something that required continuous emissions monitoring and and different types of regulations on the energy sector. Right. I said, if we could figure out how to automate emissions, if we could figure out that, I'm interested. Because that's that's the big hot button, right, for climate change activists and whatnot is, oh, there's so much carbon emissions going out. And there's some people that are really genuinely trying to be good players. But then there's also those people who are not great players that yeah. are just, you know, gaming the system. And, and those are the yeah. people that really ruin it for everybody else who's trying to be a good actor. Yeah, yeah. So his response to that was, um, I can, we can do it. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, well, I've got customers. Um, and we, we've like within a week, we got approval to stick a optical gas imaging camera on a facility and start collecting data. Right. And we, did simu- you know what you were looking for? Yeah. We're you, looking for gas. You're just looking for leaks basically, right? Looking for gas. When, when I say gas, it's not gas that you're filling up your car with. Yeah. Right. So when oil and gas is oil and, you know, it's like invisible gas, right? The natural gas, no scent put in it, that type of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So when, when we're pulling oil and gas out of the ground, it's, it's petroleum, um, black oil, and gas, which is, you know, natural gas, propane, butane, um, and there's other types of volatile organic compounds which are in that molecule of hydrocarbons yeah um and so so natural gas has contributed to the united states lowering their carbon emissions more than anywhere in the world because it burns clean right? right natural gas the issue that the world is having is by pre- getting the final product that you turn your fireplace on for or your heat your home or how we turn use natural gas yeah. or how we generate electricity with natural gas or we're replacing coal or whatever with cleaner burning natural gas. The problem that the world is having right now is producing natural gas. There can be fugitive emissions where we don't contain it properly or there's a leak or 
the tanks open in it and methane goes into the atmosphere. Got it. And it's just undetectable because it doesn't really have a it's scent. Invi- it's invisible, yeah. right? It's un- undetectable, it's invisible. Um, and there's lots of different detection technologies where they put a sensor on the, the fence line. And we wanted to create a more, how do we actually solve the problem? We didn't right. want to just check a box to say there's these regulations. How do we enforce these regulations on energy producers because of regulations? We wanted to be, how do we create operational intelligence? And so we wanted to focus on visual. So our Clean Connect AI is a artificial intelligence focused on computer vision where we take sensors. Some are very low cost off the sh- uh, shelf sensors and some are specialty sensors that are uh, certified ways to see all the different gases. And we've taken that and we can visually see emissions in real time. Wow. And um, we're really, really excited about it. And and our story, and this is what I would say, is this is an entrepreneurial uh, podcast, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so I would recommend, this is my uh, recommendation, is a lot of people have ideas. Mm. A lot of people have big, nice business plan. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really do that. Both of the, both of the things that I've done uh, have been, will the market, is this valuable to the market and will somebody buy it? Yeah, let's go prove it first. We, we wanted to prove it and sell it. And then, and then after that, we created systems um, to help augment the growth of the business. Um, I love that. So, so if you can't sell your product, like you watch Shark Tank and all these things, and they have these great uh, idea or product, and they have no sales, they don't typically do very well. Of course. So, so with us, we did uh, produce a proof of concept, and and the customer was like, "Oh my gosh." If, if I could see what's happening, because if a sensor goes off, I have to go out there and try to find it. It takes me hours, costs a lot of money. You mean I can just click this button, it'll pull up a screen, it'll show me where the leak's coming from? It'll, sh- it'll show an actual video. Yeah, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. So so they go out there um, and they saw it and they said, that's great. Can you do this, 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 and this? And we said, yes, we can do it. Dude, if, and- so if everybody's <laughs> listening to this though, this is the... This might be the best piece of knowledge that has yet come out on this podcast, which is there's a book called The Lean Startup, and it's literally let the market tell you what to build. Don't do it the other way around because if yes. you try to force your product yes. on the market, yes, then you might build something that people don't want, and you waste a lot of time, energy, yes. and money doing that. And we've done that. We've built some things I, that were a complete waste of time with yeah. very large producers that we thought, oh, if as long as we can get their name on our thing, we're... But we waste get the we wasted our time. Ver, need, versus actually trying to be valuable. Yes. We're like trying to yes. pretend like we're valuable because we got some big name yes. on our ticket. Yes. So so yeah, we've made all those mistakes. Yeah. Um absolutely. But uh but what happened is we produced a proof of concept, somebody believed in us, and our customers paid for their service up front. And this customer specifically paid 10 years up front. Holy cow. So um, it funded your entire business. So it funded us. Um, and we were able to hire some just amazing developers. So I spend, I'm the COO of Clean Connect and the co-founder. And, um, and I spend um, most of my time in, in Clean Connect running the daily operations. Um, and then I've got some just um, amazing partners, co-founders, and an amazing team. 
our director of AI is a PhD from USC that's got 15 years building machine models. He's built a competitive robot for, for the soccer robot team. Okay. Um, and, wow. uh, and, and how did you meet these guys? So, so we found them through, um, a recruiting agency originally that helped put us in front of him that was, he was doing some contract work. Okay. Cause essentially he was bored. He's got, he's a very high paid guy for the company, the finance company he was working with. And he yeah. was, he heard what we were doing and he's like, I'm interested just because I'm really bored with what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's really expensive. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's just like, how, how do you do it as a startup? How do you pay for somebody like this? So you structured an equity deal. So, so yeah, yeah. He's, he's got options in the company. Um, Sweet. and our, and our key guys do have options. They're bought in. Awesome. They they want the success and uh, they see the future of it. Um, the other, our other guy is very, uh, is based out of San Francisco, um, solutions architect. He's an MIT grad and, um, and, and we, I didn't think we could afford him either. Yeah. And I, and he kept following up. He followed, he followed up with me like, I mean, like when for you're, months. When you're building something special and there's real vision yeah. that people can see down the road, this is why we talk about 10-year vision so important so people can see the big picture because it's impossible to get people on the bus if you don't have a 10-year vision. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. They're yeah. bought into the mission. But I, I, love I, 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 love, I love these guys. Yeah. Because uh, you couldn't develop it yourself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, also, right? I, yeah, you can't I, do it without them. Uh, yeah, I can't do it without them. And uh, one other thing I would tell entrepreneurs is, um, if you think you're gonna um, like do it to get rich immediately, <laughs> m- most of my guys um, make more money than I do. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, you and me both. Because I've, you know, you sacrifice. It's yeah, like that's wh- the investment. Like, your your greatest like, asset is your employees. You you believe in the vision of what the company will become. Right, because you believe that it'll solve a problem in the in in the world, right. and we believe our product will solve a problem in the world. Um, and so, is it worth me me sacrificing what I get now for what I believe will be in the future? Yes, for me, yes. Because it's bigger than just the money; it's the mission, right? It's why you're doing it. Um, because you've been in the battlefield, actually having these conversations that seem like they have no real resolution. So instead you said, well, let's just solve the problem with real data that supports that. So right. I, I love it. Right. So, yeah. I, so so you, I, you sign this client, 10 years paid in full. That funds your company, essentially seed funds the entire thing. You're yeah, originally. Yeah, originally. And then you start collecting more clients. And, and How then, long is that? That's, a, that's been two years, three years? Uh, we're almost on year three. Year three, yeah. yep. Okay. So now we're we've got our you know, repeatable product. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do um, visual um, emissions monitoring, which is our our staple, what is a very hot topic in in the world today. Um, And uh, we do non-invasive tank level monitoring. So the the biggest emitter of gas is when people have to open up their thief hatches, is what they call them, and gas is released. Because they have to change out their measurement equipment. We see it visually with a thermal camera so they don't have to open up their T-patch. So we've reduced emissions substantially there as so well. So just wait, walk me through that. So that wh- why would they have to open the thief, thief ha- hatch in the first they, place? They've got measurement equipment. Got it. That, so that's, uh, it's monitoring that's, the emissions. Yeah, they're called guided wave radar where it basically um, senses the top of the, the level 
in, the, in those tanks. So you remove that and, because and you're and sends them data. Yeah. So now we're we've we're able to do it without them having to open those steep hatches, and in and. And that internal measurement equipment can be very expensive as well. Right. So in areas where they don't have that updated equipment, in Colorado, everything's state of the art. Yeah. Because it's it's so heavily regulated here. Yep. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, if people saw what I saw, it's just like, wow. <laughs> it's, it's pretty impressive what people are doing here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we do that. We do – we take other off-the-shelf sensors um, – optical sensors to monitor uh, any kind of flame or smoke for safety. We do hard hat recognition for oh, wow. for security. If somebody's coming on site that doesn't have a hard hat, they'll get an alert because um, they typically don't belong there. Right. You know, there's some there's security issues when you're close to, to population. Um, and we do virtual gate guard where it'll see their license plate and, and say, are you on the list? Can you, can you come in? Things like that. So we've, we've taken something that we thought was important and then by the customer's request created other things with low cost sensors to um, give them a return on their investment. So, so the difference between us and, and other types of you know, regu- regulatory driven companies is we wanted to be more focused on operations. Right. Like it's it's tough to sell to somebody just saying, you have to do this. <laughs> I don't like doing that. Yeah. Like you have to use me because of this regulation. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> like I want them to use me because I'm going to make them money. Yeah. Add value. And I'm going to help them. I'm going to help their investors. I'm going to help their communities understand what they're doing. So that kind of goes back to my mission with Clean Connect. Um, and we can talk about Proof Zero as well. Yeah. But there's a there's a big if you don't mind me explaining this no but, go for but it. there's a big um, there's a big disconnect and and our mission at Clean Connect was is to bridge the gap between energy producers uh, consumers and climate activists environmentalists so. There's a big disconnect between all three of them. Yeah, nobody's talking the same language. Nobody plays nice. Either you're with us yeah. or you're against us. Or, or in the political spectrum. Uh, making energy uh, politically driven is a big mistake, okay? Because it's like, um, you know, uh, you know, it's like drill, baby, drill. That's not a good approach. Right. Or just shut everything down. It's not a good approach. Right. Okay, so shut everything down so you can um, ship it from overseas. If you look at the carbon footprint or the emissions that are created from shipping, now 80% of all oil and gas, they California consumes more oil and gas than they've ever consumed in the history of California. And over 80% of it comes from the Middle East and from the Ecuadorian rainforest. Is that better for the environment than producing it domestically? With the regulations that we have, I, I would say no. I would agree. Um, so so you got this got these two different messages, and they're so polarizing, and they divide. So what we're trying to do is bridge the gap between energy producers, consumers, and climate activists, because consumers want low cost, reliable energy. They want a clean environment. They want to feel safe. Climate activists, um, they so a lot of most of them wanted to shut it down. Yeah. Um, but they have to understand that by shutting it down, it's not going to help the environment. So they got to understand that. Yep. Um, and then energy producers want to do the same. 
You know, they get, they have to make a profit, but they they want to produce responsible energy, and they want to be able to prove that. Okay, so so there's these these uh, you know, and and by shutting down domestic domestic, what I mean, but United States energy, yeah, and we have more oil and gas than Saudi Arabia. Uh yeah, via shale. I mean, yeah, the I, I could talk about what fracking yeah, actually is and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I don't could. know if we need to go into that. Yeah. But. But um, but yeah, there's there's just so much opportunity to bridge that gap. But our life is very energy intensive, and we need to be able to educate on how we do it, how we produce it. And am I saying that we're perfect? Absolutely not. The industry does need to improve. Uh, the industry can improve, and regulation um, can drive technology and can make it better. But how do we communicate after that? How, how do we communicate that message after the fact? And I think that's Cause, kind of- Because the, the industry is not very good at it. No, terrible. It's and, not very good at it. We need to segue. be better at it. That's the segue for yeah. Proof Zero, which is a part of Clean Connect, but is also a way to actually provide real data that supports the emissions reports. Because right now it's very loose, the way that you explained it to me on how emissions are reported and what's truth and what's not truth. So because there's gray, now it's like a little bit of he said, she said, and nothing says the truth like the actual data. So right. Let's talk about that. What's Sure, zero? sure. So we created, uh, we've been working on it for just over a year, you know, in a three-year company. Yep. So we saw that our product created value in the marketplace, something that our energy producers want and need and have bought into it that, that this is where they need to go right. and they've been forgiving to us too. We've made mistakes. <laughs> I would say if I was say my biggest strength as an entrepreneur is I'm quick to admit my mistakes. People don't want to hear excuses. And you know what? The customer's never upset about it. They're actually like refreshed. <laughs> like they're upset, but they're like, they're so shocked that you would say, Hey, you know what? This is on me. It's our fault. We'll fix it. Yeah. It, Which is even the antithesis with, of everything that but, normally happens. Even with my vendors, it's like, like I don't want to hear excuses. Like, just tell me. Yeah. Like you screwed up. Just tell me that. Just tell me what's going on. I understand mistakes are made. I just need to know so that I can help you sol- solve it. Right. Because you're important. My vendors are important to my business, right? Yep. And so, I've been, I you know I think that was the value of growing up how I did and getting my hands dirty and doing projects from the ground up, driving truck, and doing all the things. I've been yelled at a lot in my life. <laughs> I remember my grandpa and my dad put me in a mixer and I'm just a, I'm like an 18 year old boy. Yeah. I'm just getting yelled at, but because <laughs> I was a terrible driver, terrible. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's taught me to say, just admit your mistakes. Yeah. Admit when you're not good at something, hire the people that are better than you at and, and admit it. Yeah. How, how can I solve this problem? And when you do that with your customers, they trust you a lot more. Yeah. And they, they want to help you solve the problem because they want to solve it too. And they, you know, they wouldn't hire you if they could solve the problem themselves. Right. Right. Exactly. And energy producers want to focus on producing energy. Yeah. They don't have time to build AI machine models. They don't. Okay. So anyway, so we, we, about a year ago, back to prove zero, we had a product that, that worked and fulfilled a need. Um, but you go back to that, that question, how do I bridge the gap between, you know, energy companies, consumers, and climate activists? So we wanted a way to take 
our data, our, the AI, the visual uh, data that we're collecting, yep. um, and create an energy certificate. And when, so, what's an energy certificate? An energy certificate um, that we're that we're using will be tied to blockchain, so okay. it can't manipulate the data. It's what 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 is seen, um, and basically what it will do. It will take what is pulled out of the ground, what is produced, what is sold, and any AI verified emissions to create a digital energy certificate. Which right now they're not digital, correct? There's, There's energy there, certificates, but they're they're man, they're manual. Yeah. yeah. And so how does that process you'll, work right you'll now? You'll hire they'll hire somebody and and have somebody go out there and inspect a facility and check a box. Right. But the other 365 days of the year, there's no 24/7 monitoring, correct? There there might be fence line monitors, but but, but those, really an energy certificate right now is it's kind of like doing a a one-time inspection and then I'll see you next year for your yearly checkup kind of thing. Yeah, and everybody's different. They might be quarterly. They might they might require more. Every every producer is a little different, right? But the basis of it is is how can we digitally? How can we automate this? How can we automate um, this process of of how our our methane intensity? Everybody talks about methane because methane, if it leaks into the atmosphere, there's a a greater warming effect. So right. we want to reduce methane or completely eliminate methane emissions. So we create a digital energy certificate with blockchain through blockchain um, and and prove zero is a mechanism. Uh, it's an NFT yeah. um, to to take prove zero token the producers and and buy and sell those certificates. Because they're they're getting bought and sold anyways, as but, it is right now, correct? People producers are needing to verify or somehow certify that they're responsibly producing their energy. The problem is, is there's so much oversight now. It's like, it can't be just a checkbox anymore. Right. It's like, and you can't afford to have somebody out on site all the time. You have to automate it with, with technology. So is, is each NFT or each token tied to an individual, I guess, well or pipeline? It's, it's tied to the unit, the unit of the, hydrocarbons that are produced um, during a period of time. Yeah. But is it across, does each well have its own monitoring system or each, each well have its own certificate essentially? Good question. So like um, there, you talk about upstream, midstream and downstream and oil and gas upstream is like the well, like where they produce, like pull it out of the ground. Right. Yep. Um, And that's the biggest like oversight. That's the biggest oversight right now. So we we take our optical gas imaging technology um, to optically inspect the facility in real time that scans the facility on a pan and tail unit that goes around all day long yeah. and looks for if, if there is an emission. Yeah. There is an emission, they get an alert immediately. Our technology quantifies the emission and then and creates at the end of the month or the end of the week, it'll create an energy certificate. So, so we've got producers that are extremely excited about it. They want to automate. They want to advertise what they're doing, and they want to have something that's valuable that um, the marketplace wants to package and sell as a clean ener- a unit of energy. Yeah. So, um, so, so these are becoming investable assets as well. And yeah, as they can get a premium for for provable 
clean energy. Yes, which when you say that, and this is just for our audience's sake, because I think I understand it, but a premium on the energy because cleaner energy uh, carries more value in the marketplace, essentially. Yes, yes. The EU right now requires certified clean gas. Yeah. You know, um, Canada is the same way. The United States will be there as well, but there has to be a way to, to prove it and, and certify it. Yeah. And and our our focus is that we want to digitize that. So, um, I think it's incredibly smart, right? So, I mean, you're just taking the burden off the shoulders of the producer and then giving them the technology that they need to support it. I mean, it's, it's tech innovation, right? Within an industry that's, I guess, somewhat technology driven, but not when it comes to emissions. So that's right. a totally different way. Is yeah. there anybody else that's doing anything like what you guys are doing in terms of NFT digital certificates like that? Or are you guys basically pioneering? We're, we're, pre- we're pretty unique when it comes to the visual side of it. Yeah. You know, everybody, I think there, there's a, there's dozens of people that are trying to do methane detection technology. Um, but the visual aspect of it is, is if there's a, if there's an alert that goes off, you have to send somebody out there with a certified camera to find it. Right. And so we're automating that. And, yeah, and, amazing. and so that's, that's the thing. So proof zero, um, we had our pre-sale. Um, and I wouldn't, I, it's, so it's an energy certificate. That's, that's the value right. in what we're doing. We're using blockchain, and um, we had our pre-sale. It sold out in 24 hours, um, and we're going to go live so the public can participate in mid-February. Yeah. Well, so, so mid-February is a big, uh, big time for us. Um, and how do people go learn more about that? Proofzero.com. Um, and that's go check proof, it out. P R O V E zero Z E R O. Yep. Dot C O M. Yep. Provezero.com. You can go read read up on it. Uh, you can follow Clean Connect AI on LinkedIn and Provezero on LinkedIn, and and uh, um, we're we're really excited about it. Like I said, it's uh, something that our producers and that they they'll use Provezero token to trade their their energy certificates, and um, so Clean Connect success, which we've had success in here in Colorado and expanding out throughout the country. Um, and working with some international companies now, which is really exciting for us. Um, was was the idea for the Proof Zero an idea that one of your clients brought up, that one of your internal t- team people brought up, that you guys all came up with together? How did that we, product come the, about? The, the co-founders, um, me, David, and Mark, um, yeah. there's three of us. Um, uh, it's it's one of those things like your technology is the best, but how do you make it more valuable? Stickier, yeah. How do you make it more valuable to the end user? And that's that's why we came up with it because it's like if if people are incentivized to use other technology because they offer some sort of manual check the box certificate just to check a box, it's like how do how do we how do we incentivize them to be clean? How do we incentivize them to yeah, and, instead of forcing the regulation on them to say, yeah. hey, you're going to want to do this because it's better. And yeah, it's it, actually more profitable and it's right. easier for you. Like if they use our, you know, we're a SaaS company, so they use our software um, to meet regulations. That's great, I guess. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's like, hey, use our software, tie it into, you know, prove zero. And, and at the end of it, especially if you're producing clean energy and you can prove it, right. um, you'll, you'll pay for the service. 
Right. Like it'll pay for itself. You're actually, uh, it'll become a profit center versus a cost center. So that's the whole focus is incentivize people to prove that they're producing clean energy, do it with technology, and then share that with the public. Dude, the way, the way that you think about product, I love, because a lot of people think about product in terms of, you know, what can I charge for this service instead of doing it the other way, which is how do I create something that's so far above and away a category of one that people will inevitably say, this must be the best because it is the best and it actually solves all these real world problems that I have. And as a result, I will pay a premium for that. Um, you're focused on actually being valuable, not the, yeah. the theoretical illusion of yeah. value. Yeah. And that's, I said this a number of times already, but I just don't want to be a, a box checker. Yeah. I want to, I want to create a solution that works and I, and I want to help the industry and, and, and we're very optimistic, you know, we haven't raised any money yet. Um, wow. but, uh, but in order to grow, you have to have money and, and we're bringing on a, a incredible team and, uh, you know, 10 years from now, I, I think that, you know, we're going to be a publicly traded company and, um, that's the 10 year vision. Yeah. What yeah. do you got to do in the next three years to get there? Um, we, in the next, in, in the next three years, um, we're scaling with two of the largest producers here in Colorado. Um, we're, we're producing our first energy certificates in, in, uh, Texas. Okay. Um, so we've got buy-in from the biggest market in the United States and Texas, yeah. Texas producers. Wow. When Texas producers aren't mandated to do certain things, but they want to do it, that, that kind of gave us a little bit of a validation that we're doing something special. Um, and we're expanding into the East region and North Dakota, um, getting into California and then going international. So our, our vision for 10 years is we've sold a lot directly um, but we're building a, a pretty robust um, a channel partner um, focus. Yeah, where where um, you know we're we're going to focus on the software. We're going to have our channel partners deal with the hardware and integrating that in the new construction and yeah. and optimizing and and they already have those relationships. They, they have the relationships. They've got thousands of sales reps across the world. <laughs> yeah. um, everybody we everybody wins. Everybody eats. So so we've we've uh, it's not public yet, but we've been talking to some amazing channel partners that are, are a lot, lot bigger than us. <laughs> they're billion dollar companies and they're like, wow, this is great. You want to be on our platform. Yeah. And so li- licensing our software, um, having them get it out to the marketplace is a big part of our 10 year vision of, uh, of getting out there and really, really scaling. Cause it's, it's nice when you nail something and you get, get a solution but you really have to have the right channels in place to scale it and take it to the market. Yeah. I want, I want our audience to just take note accuracy before speed, go slow to go fast. It's okay to make sure that your first few are right and it's dialed Yeah, because I've, I've seen too many companies get too far in front of their skis and they're actually not ready to fulfill that many orders or sell into those channels or their delivery on the back end is just garbage and you only get, one shot really at making a first impression. So if you screw that up, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So you might as well spend three, five years just getting it dialed and then start going fast. And I think that's the part of entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurship that people forget about. We grossly overestimate what we can get done in a year. We undervalue what three to five years of just consistent effort will be. 
And then that's where you hear the overnight success story. It's like, yeah, I've been grinding for five years. And then in the last two years, we went from zero to a hundred, right? I've been, I've had some, uh, you know, there's been some painful days. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not an I mean, you're not painful oh my days. gosh, there's been times where I'm like, I don't know. I don't think we're going to make it. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm an optimistic guy. Oh yeah. Um, but one thing I have learned, um, that's been good for me to go from, you know, that halfway between dad and grandpa of yeah. entrepreneur and systems guy and business guy. Um, I, I've learned that, um, you know, no matter what, you know, whether I exit or whatever I do in five years, I, I don't want to retire. Yeah. I don't want to live. I don't want to live the lifestyle where I'm just like, I just want to do this so that I can retire someday. Yeah. I want to live a lifestyle where I like, I want to create, I want to build, like keep I adding want, value to I, the world. I, yeah. I want to, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, the other piece of advice that I was, I was thinking about a couple of days ago was like, um, sometimes we do things that we, we get this, we get this thing from these motivational speeches and stuff that you have to love what you do. Right. There's been days that I've hated what I, yeah, <laughs> it's been so hard. It's like, I'm doing, I'm working in an industry that want the, the, people are trying to kick out yeah. of the country, Yes, you know? So there's been times where I'm just like, oh man, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. You know? But I'm just like, oh man, this is the right thing because it's going to make a difference. Well, and this is why it's you so know? important to have vision, right? Yeah. And, and be able to look down the road because if you don't have a mission or a vision that you're tied into, it's going to get hard. If you just in it for the money, you're going to get kicked in the head. Then you're going to want to quit. Well, before before I went um, back to Idaho um, through college and and uh, I sold door to door. Oh man! And uh, that was probably the best education I had. Yeah. Just with the amount of rejection that I got. Totally. Um, first three days selling back, I was, you know early twenties, like 20, I think I was 21 or something. I was selling and, and, uh, I just remember three days in a row, nothing, nothing. <laughs> and I remember sitting down on the curb and be like, I think I'm going to quit. Yeah. And I, I called my dad and he's like, don't quit. Yeah. Three days. Come on, buddy. It's like three days. <laughs> like, could, like people slamming doors in my face. And then I knocked on a door and, uh, I was selling home security <laughs> and I knocked on the door and this lady's like, he's like, um, yeah, I got broke into last year. I'm selling myself. If I can't sell somebody that's been broken into, <laughs> I am a terrible salesman. <laughs> I can't sell anything. Yeah. And I almost lost the sale. Oh yeah. Just because I wasn't very good at it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I made my first sale with somebody that got broke into. Yeah. And I was like, it gave me the confidence. I was like, okay. And I had a great summer. I learned things that I've never learned as far as rejection, keeping going, um, being calm in, in, in things, and then just constant progress. Yep. The, the other piece of advice that I've been given from my men, one of my mentors in the energy space that hired me, that recruited me, and that got me into this industry in the first place is he said something that I say on, on a weekly basis with my team, progress over perfection. Mm. So... Um, whether you're working on your body, whether you're working on your spiritual life, whether you're working on your business, um, don't, don't feel like you have to be perfect at it before you take it to the market. Don't feel like you have to have a perfect 
post or a, to advertise your business. Yeah. Just put it out there. Progress. Yeah. You'll get feedback yeah. and you'll make changes. Yeah. You know, it's the best kind and, you can uh, get. You know, um, the, the greatest learning moments that I've had is when I've made mistakes. And if I could go back three years ago, what we've done with Clean Connect and Prove Zero, um, and change a lot of things, I'd have a lot more money in my bank account because <laughs> <laughs> I've lost a lot. Yeah. Because I've made mistakes. Yeah. Our, our team has made mistakes. On, what, are, what are some of those mistakes? I think that's helpful. Uh, if we could go back and do it all over again, uh, there's a hardware mistake. Software, we've created a really brilliant software, but it, when it takes hardware to run it, yeah, and it's and you, and cheaper you, fails, and, you, and you're using the wrong hardware, that's tied. Hardware's tied. It's like a, an Apple phone. It's like you can have the best software on that phone, but it, unless it's a cool phone, right? Nobody's people aren't going to buy it. So you have so so to 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 optimize equipment and have it work in a very difficult like industrial setting where the where it's blowing it's negative 40 degrees in North Dakota Ooh. or and and make sure it doesn't fail and make sure it doesn't fail and using computers and things like that to run it yeah you know if i could go back and know what i know now like i said i I'd, I'd have we'd have more money in our in our bank account yeah but then you wouldn't have the product that you have cuz you yeah. Somebody yeah. else would have already done it. The only yeah, way yeah. to know that is somebody yeah. else has already proven yeah. it. Yeah. So it's so it's hard. It's hard. And especially when you're dealing with with sensors that are oh, the other thing I thought about. <laughs> I don't prepare a lot for these types of things. Yeah. But I think about things and I remember you reflect like, on it a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um three years ago we gave our first we did our first webinar. Okay. Um, so we invited people to, to share what we had done, the proof of concept. For Clean Connect. And, yes, and what we were bringing to the market. And we had about 150, I think it was like, if I remember right, it was like 144 attendees. And, you know, 75% of them stayed on for the whole hour or whatever it was. And it's like, oh, that was a good amount of people that stayed on. You kind of judge it by that. So it was just an initial little webinar to introduce and there were producers, there were customers and all that stuff. And uh, and me and David, one of the co-founders, we went through the list afterwards and I, we we called them yeah. uh, ourselves. We picked up the phone and said, Thanks for being there. Tell, thanks for being there. Tell tell me what you think. And I called and I called someone and it ended up being a, a software company that was just kind of scouting us out, spying on us, kind of seeing what we were doing, kind of Who's the, who are these guys? Are they a competitor or whatever? And um, he said, I thought that was pretty interesting. I think you have some good thoughts there with, you know, this and this. But that that um, optical gas imaging, yeah, you'll never be able to do that. <laughs> and, and he was, they're a big company. Do you think do and, you think he was trying to push you off because he thought it was a good idea or he was? He, he really didn't think we could do it. Yeah. He's like, you, you're not going to be able to do that. And I remember, like, for just a split second, I was like, was he trying to discourage me? And it, it took me about 10 seconds to say, we got something special. Oh, yeah. We got something special, and we're going to do it. It was like the best thing that somebody could have said to me at that time. I, so I called up David, my partner, and I'm just like, we, we can do this. Dude, this is going to be special because people don't think that this can be done. Yeah. And so, so it's a little chip on your shoulder. So, so it was just, it was like something good for me because I, I like it when people that have a lot, maybe bigger infrastructure 
don't think that they can do it because then it's like this is something that is the market needs and we can do it. So well, yeah, that's also part of uh, you know getting too big. Those big Goliath companies they get into this mode of like, uh, well, this is how we've always done things, and they're not very innovative. Or when you're small and you're strapped for cash, you're resourceful and you're scrapping day in and day out trying to find the right product market fit. So yeah, that's amazing. And you started it all in the middle of you know a pretty bad. Bad, bad market. <laughs> bad market. But that's, I mean, some of the best businesses yeah. were started during that. Yeah. I think I think yeah. I just read this morning, like Uber, Instagram, um, a few other major companies, Procter & Gamble, were all started during uh, major recessions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, good on you. So I, I think um, you've done a tremendous job of just sharing everybody or sharing the wisdom with everybody. Um, let's just say a late start entrepreneur is listening to this. They, they are kind of stuck but want to make that transition. What advice or encouragement would you give them? So late start that's working they, for someone yeah, else. Yeah, they're working for somebody else. You know, they, they're employed and they're like, man, I really want to go do my own thing. I have this idea or I want to go buy a business or whatever it may be. I would say my biggest advice would be those are good feelings to have. But don't don't let those feelings distract you from being the best that you can be in your day-to-day job. So be the best. Be the best at what you do. Make yourself very valuable. When you do that, you open up opportunities to do other to do other things. Yep. Um when I when I left, I was employed when I left to to go out on my own uh, or do my own thing. Um there the company came to me and said, "Well, you still work for us." But um, come in whenever you want. Do what you want to do, right. you know. And so I, I was kind of proud. I was kind of proud of that that they valued me right. because I put a lot of heart into it and I cared about the company. So, so my advice is: be the best that you can be at what you're doing now. Be be your best. Make a difference in make and figure out how to make your company money. If you can't make company, if you can't make the company money for the people that you're working for, how are you supposed to go out and do it on your own? Yep. So make the company that you're working for money, make them profitable and be, you know, that's something you should take pride in making your company money. At what point do you and then, take and, the leap? And then, and then don't, don't dismiss ideas, mm-hmm. like explore ideas. Um, just like I would say my story is with David listening to him Yeah. instead of saying, just go do your job. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I heard him out and, and I was excited about it. And I let on on I was paying him to work for a, a different company, and then we created another company, and then and um and your friends and things like that will have ideas. Let, hear them out, listen right. to them, and then go out to the market and figure out if people want to buy it. You know, hundred percent. I think that's such. And you said this is not directly in your statement right here, but you said it earlier. Just figure out what the market wants first before you take the leap. Cause you can build your business on the side, go get those first few com- customers that give you what you need in order to make the transition and then yeah. go full tilt. And the other thing is, is like um, people don't really give their all in their day to day jobs. Yeah. And I've noticed that with, you know, throughout my career, they're just kind of, kind of floating with the time. And if people really worked um, at, 
full level and you got to be honest with yourself there's been days where i'm just like i really didn't give very much effort today 100 <laughs> i'm just like i could have got done in, in the days that i'm effective like i could get done in two hours what it takes me eight if i'm focused yeah so if you have that mental focus of like i'm gonna get my job done and do it the best i can why are you limiting yourself to say it takes you a certain amount of time Get the job done, do a great job, and open up opportunities for yourself to to explore and to to yeah. do to do other things. Don't sell yourself short and try. Yeah. Take take some risk. Yeah, you gotta gotta and, put a little skin in the game. And and you gotta have a a strong uh you know, when you fail, which you will, because I've failed, there's been there's been some hard path. This last five years has been the most uh rewarding but the hardest of my life. So because it's come with a lot of failures, yeah. a lot of rejection. Yeah. And uh, so you just got to keep pushing through that, you know, if you want to get there. And then don't, don't, don't be short-sighted. Life is, uh, life is short. Um, and don't limit yourself just because you're in your 40s that, right. that it's over. Just like, getting started, man. Your, it just, your biggest income earning years are your 50s. So. Yeah, it's just getting started. You don't have to start in your 20s or whatever. You yeah. can take all the things that you've learned and say, how can I be better at this? 100%. Is that, you know, I would say that that's the advice I'd give to me as a 20-year-old. I love that, dude. Dude, this has been awesome. Thank you for educating me and everybody on the energy space. But also, um, just you, I think you gave a a master's class in how to create a great product. You know, thinking a lot about for myself and my own businesses about just finding that first match. Um, and I, I'm thinking about everything that I've ever started that's been successful. That's actually how it started was the market told me what it wanted and then I went and created it. And any other time that I've tried to force it, what I want to do, it always fails miserably. So it's invaluable. The other thing I would say that you're really good at, Samson, is um, that I would really recommend to other entrepreneurs is you want to be sincerely interested in other people's success. Mm. A lot of times we're so competitive that, and I'm competitive, but I'm competitive against myself. Yeah, me too. If I can be very um, sincerely interested in, in helping others succeed, um, and that's that's how I gain the team that I have, I feel like, is because I want my team to be successful. Yeah. I want them to, to do really well, and I'm happy for their success. Like a lot of times we're just like, oh, we have this kind of almost like jealousy mentality that he does better than me or she does better than me. And uh, that's not the attitude we should have. We, should, entrepreneurs, we, yeah. we should celebrate other people's success and, and, and be happy, be happy for other people's success and learn from them and, and build on that. It creates so much opportunity just from relationships. I think that's why we're friends. There's a book that I'm going to get for you. Um, we coming up. We have uh, our accelerated accelerated leaders summit. So we're just bringing together cool. Northern Colorado entrepreneurs, and we're just going to pour into them uh, with speakers and food and networking, cool. and doesn't cost anything. But the book that we're going to be dishing out is called Expanded Leadership. Okay, and it talks exactly about what you just said, which is celebrating other people's success and making room for other people to be great. And, uh, and man, it can be hard when you're the entrepreneur because you put so much of your identity into getting this build business off the ground, right? Um, that you don't want to share it. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot more fun and fulfilling 
when everybody eats at your table. Yeah. Um, this tells you how old I, I am. <laughs> I don't feel old, but uh, when I when I graduated from college, my dad still had cassettes. Oh, yeah. You know, and he had Zig Ziglar. Oh, yeah, I love Zig. And uh, it's like his biggest thing is you can get whatever you want in this life as long as you help enough people get what they, they want. Amen. And so, so if we focus on how do we help people get what they want, how do we supply something or produce a product that benefits our cons- the consumers, you know, and uh, all those things, things naturally will come around. You know, it might not be in your time frame. That's where no. it takes persistence and grit and faith um, and faith. Yep. But uh, I think I think in the end, if you help people get what they want, you'll you'll be happy with what what you have. Love that. If the people are listening to this, they connected with your story, they would maybe want to reach out, pick your brain, uh, just follow along with your journey and your story. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you or follow you? Uh, yeah. Follow, follow me on LinkedIn, Luke Coates, C-O-A-T-S. Um, yeah. Our marketing team is going to be really diving in heavily in discord and telegram and, and, uh, uh, so you'll see that coming up with Proof Zero. Cool. It's going to be a big, big. You know, now that we've we're building out the blockchain, the product, the creating the first energy certificate, it's going to be a big educational period with the market. Yep. And so that's another cool thing to follow along with Sweet. as it comes out. So. And I'm sure you're super active on LinkedIn, and you actually have a great following, man. I sometimes aspire to be as uh, eloquent. Uh, as you are on LinkedIn, because you've get some great engagement over the years that I'm like, oh man, how did he get 500,000, 5,000, you know, likes, <laughs> comments? It's awesome. I can tell you, I can tell you why. It's because you're authentic and you talk about real stuff. I mean, that's what I've noticed, but. The, the real reason why, is, it's just like you in this podcast, it's to educate um, your community and to yeah. help your community. Um, and with mine, I didn't really talk, I don't talk about my business. I talk about Clean Connect now. Improve yeah. zero because it's I'm really excited about it. I'm really passionate about it. But I hardly ever talked about the other business. Yeah. I just talked about um how to help the industry in general and how to educate. So it wasn't about me. It was about how to help the community in general. Um so I, I felt like I was I, I felt like the biggest thing that helped with that was like it wasn't about me, it was about others because the problem with linkedin is people just connect they, and they self they, they immediately try to sell me something that i'm just like i don't even know you and like <laughs> you know you so you have this immediate disconnect yeah. and so it's like if you connect with somebody it's like you know how do you how do you help them how do you actually help them how do you learn about what they're doing you know and be interested in what they're doing so we've take one thing away be valuable that's that's the name yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. I appreciate you, brother. And yeah. I, I do. I really love, admire, and respect you and like love our friendship. And you taught me a lot today. You always teach me a lot. And I'm just super pumped to watch what happens over the next year. Appreciate it, man. As you guys kick these things off. So appreciate great. it. Thanks it's, for being here. It's fun, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. it.